friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so excited you're here for lots of reasons. I'm always excited when you join me every single week for this show, but today's a little bit different. Every week on the show, I invite a girlfriend to join me. We chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Today, the show is a girlfriend on the show and my main man. Yes, I'm so happy to be on the happy hour. Yay. Okay, but real quick, I want to thank Operation Christmas Child. It is that time. It is the time to pack your boxes. National Collection Week is coming up November 13th through the 20th. And by packing a shoebox full of simple gifts, you can share the good news and great joy of Jesus Christ with a child in need and teach your own kids about giving. Since 1993, Operation Christmas Child has delivered more than 146 million shoebox gifts to children in over 160 countries and territories. And this year, Operation Christmas Child hopes to collect enough shoebox gifts to reach another 12 million children. You guys, visit jamieivy.com slash OCC for gift suggestions, tracking labels, and to find a drop-off location near you. And guys, help spread the word by tagging Operation Christmas Child on social media. All right, guys, this is episode number 166, and I'm so excited. I'm excited too. Thanks for having me on this one. Are you more excited to be on the show or that Kathy Lee Gifford is on the show? I'm more excited to be sitting across the table from you talking. Oh, that's so sweet. Okay, so the first half of the show is going to be Kathy Lee Gifford. And you guys, if you've been listening for a long time, you know that Kathy Lee Gifford is on my bucket list of people to interview. I saw her, well, I've, I've known who she is forever. Hello, it's Kathy Lee Gifford. But I saw her a couple of years ago after her husband, Frank, passed away. And she spent about seven to eight minutes on TV talking about his death and literally preaching straight the gospel. Preaching. Straight preaching the gospel. And so I get to talk to her about that today. And that was super, super exciting for me. And then after Kathy Lee, Aaron's going to come in and we're going to chat about... Steal Away Home. Steal Away Home. Aaron's book that came out in August that is so, so good. And I want you guys to know about... And, you know, always we'll talk about like marriage life. and parenting and life and how much we love each other. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, guys. Calling all kid inventors. The Little Bits Droid Inventor Kit is here for the holidays. With this toy, you can make an R2 unit. And you can invent a custom droid that hasn't even been imagined yet. Check out the Little Bits Droid Inventor Kit at littlebits.com, Walmart, Amazon, and Apple. <laughs> All right, guys, right now I am in Guatemala with Noonday Collection. So make sure you're following along with us on our Instagram channel so that you can see the beauty of the country and all that's happening on our trip. I've actually never, ever been to Guatemala. So I'm super, super, super excited. Find me on Instagram. It's at Jamie Ivy, And I'm going with my friend Jessica. And we have so many wonderful ladies traveling with us. So that's going to be super exciting. All right, friends, here is my conversation with Kathy Lee Gifford. Hi, Kathy Lee. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having this little uh, Skype session with me. You know what? I need to just tell you right off the bat, just get it out there in the open. And all of my podcast listeners will know this is just, is just a pure joy for me to have you on my show. So thank oh, you. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, disclaimers aside. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I think it's rightly fitting that you're with me today on my show called The Happy Hour because people call your <laughs> show the happy hour of the morning show. So Time Magazine called us that a long time ago, and it was true. We are the happy hour. I yes, love we it. Are. I love it. I'm like, what other, you have the best job in the world. You get to sit with one of your best girlfriends, talk about yeah. life, and have a glass of wine. My, have what my daddy used to call a little sip of something. <laughs> a little sip <laughs> of something. A little something. And that's all we do, believe me. <laughs> um, Kathy Lee, I first want to tell you, just thank you for coming on, but I want to I want to say 
thank you for being a champion uh, for women. Um, and I, I have grown up, I'm, you know, 39. I've grown up watching you all these years and all the things you've been doing. And there's something that always stood out to me. And that is that you were always for your marriage. Yes. Um, and man, you talked about your kids and you love them so dearly. And as a mom and myself and married, I look back on watching that and it impacted me. And I know you've done that for a lot of people in the world. Oh, Jamie, thank you. I hope so. I mean, every single one of us uh, wants to matter in life, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just, a, we need a purpose. We need a purpose. And uh, and we as, as Christians um, know what our purpose is, which is to, to partner with the Lord and to bring his shalom to the chaos of the world. That's why we're here. Well, you know, that's also something I've really always respected you is you work in an industry that it might not always be the easiest or greatest thing to proclaim the name of Jesus. And I don't think that you've ever held back from that. Have you? No, no. I, 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 first of all, it's my constitutional right. I think Hmm. second of all, it's my, it's my commandment go into all the world and tell the good news that Jesus loves them to every, every creature alive. And, you know, I want to be faithful to that. And every time I get an opportunity, I mean, something happened yesterday on the today show that I I am like thunderstruck. Mm -hmm. I wrote a song a few months ago with a new friend from the top writer down in Nashville, a man named uh, Brett James. And uh, I met him doing my show. And, uh, and I told him about, he said he was a big fan of Frank's and he said, Kevin, how are you since you've, you know, he's gone and all that. And I said, you know what, Brett, I, I found him. Thank you for asking. I'm doing fine because this was the look on his face. This awestruck look on his face. I said, I know without a doubt he saw Jesus and Jesus took his breath away. Mm. I said, and someday I'm going to write that song. And then the top writer in all of (laughs) Nashville looks at me and he goes, well, then let's write that song. And we did within a week. We'd written that song within a week, within a week. I went back the next day, but I came down the Uh following week and we, we met and we wrote it and we've written many songs since then we've become great friends, but I performed it yesterday on the Today Show. And after 50 years in this business, I have a hit record. It's unbelievable. It's number one on the Christian iTunes. It's number 10 on all of iTunes. It's the most viewed concert of all of the Today Show all year all year long up till now. <laughs> and that includes Harry Styles <laughs> and everybody else. Yeah. Look at you. You're giving Harry Styles a run for his money, (laughs) Kathy Lee. I love it. It's hysterically funny to me. I'm glad it's happening now when it doesn't matter to me. I get the joke now, you know, I get the Right. But, you know, I saw that song must have. I mean, I know it was an emotional moment for you as well. Writing it about. Yes. Yes. Writing about your husband. And I know that was emotional and you got through it. And did you think you were going to just be able to just perform it? Or did you think it was going to be a struggle for you? I knew it was going to be a struggle for me because I don't sing anymore. Mm. I have, I have damage to my vocal cords from 15 years ago when my daddy was dying and I had pneumonia and he was in hospice and we were giving him, you know, morphine every 15 minutes. That's, you don't go to a doctor to take care of you when you're, uh-huh. when you're right. helping your father into the, his, into paradise. You just don't leave his bedside, you know? And so I, um, I didn't know it till, you know, months later that I had uh, scar tissue and I'd lost about Mm, 25% of my breathing capacity. And every singer knows that breathing is mm-hmm. what it's all about. Right. So, right. um, yeah. So, but the God, but the Lord is healing me, Jamie, in ways I never dreamed he could R- meeting bread and writing this song has healed me about Frank. It really mm-hmm. has. 
it's, it's, it's come full circle and I'm, I'm, I am ready to live again. That's it's just, this was the healing. And, um, and now seeing the success of it is so exciting because you know what it is. It's just a true song. Mm-hmm. It's a gut level, no holds barred. This is what happened. And, and, and anybody, any cynic can say whatever they want, but right. they were in the room mm-hmm. with me when I found his body at eight 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So let them, let them have their cynicism. God bless them. I was able to understand this, the scripture that talks about rejoicing, even in sorrow. Mm-hmm. I am holding my dead husband's body in my arms, weeping tears of joy. Cause I know where he is. Mm-hmm. I knew where he is. And, you know, of course you grieve, you, you need to, it's mm-hmm. healthy. Uh, but my children, the same thing. We're all, we, we know we'll see him again. Yeah. And then I lost, I didn't lose her. I know my mom's there. People go, I'm sorry, you lost your husband or you lost your mother. I go, I didn't lose her or him. <laughs> I, know I know where she is. I know exactly where they are. And I know what I'll see them again. It's just, my tears are for me, mm-hmm. you know, not for them. I'm the one that has, that misses them. Yeah. Well, you, you bring know? just such, like such hope to the world when they're, when they're watching you say that. I remember right at, shortly after your husband, Frank, passed away. I remember seeing you um, do that six minute monologue, talk about him. And I'm telling you, Kathy Lee, my girlfriends and I, we were texting each other like crazy. And we're like, she just brought the gospel to morning TV. I mean, 80 million people. Did you have that written down or did that just come to you? No, no, no. I had no idea. I never do. I never write things down. I just ask for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he will give us utterance if we just give it to him. And I thought I was just doing it for our 3 million uh-huh. you know, views or 2 million, whatever it is on yeah. a given day. It's, and, uh, and I felt very comfortable. I knew I should come back soon. I knew it. Mm. I knew I had an opportunity. I mean, NBC was great. And they said, Kathy, take whatever time you need, whatever time. And I could have taken six months. They would have been, they would have been so loving. They've been so great to me, but I thought, no, 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 people are, I've got an audience out there that is probably curious about how I'm doing Mm -hmm. because they watch me, as you said, you, they watch me do life and they watch me do my faith. Yeah. And I, and I've stumbled many, many times, but for the most part, it's my, my life story, Jamie is probably the same as yours with different details. It's my, it's, it's God's faithfulness to me. Not, right. not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I just wanted to be, I wanted again to give people hope. This is not the end. Yeah. Well, and you set up, I mean, I mean, I could talk about this for hours because I was just so impressed that you didn't just give them hope like that Kathy Lee's okay, but you were like, Jesus saved my husband and he can save you too. And he forgave him of his sins, all the things. I mean, yeah. I was just blown away by that. And I think too, like I, I love hearing you say, you know, I've stumbled and I mess up because we all have, but when we're in the midst of that, like suffering and trial and we point people to Jesus, that's the hope that people are looking for. That's right. That's right. And it doesn't mean that, I mean, I could hang up with you and, and, you know, make the biggest mistake of my life still, but, but that Jesus will still be there with me mm, yeah. and there's no condemnation in Christ. I would just reject all condemnation. Jesus is grace. Jesus is love. Jesus is mercy. Mm. And anybody that preaches a different gospel is not of the Lord. Do you get a lot of pushback from fans about your faith being public? No, that's not awesome. Any- no, I've, I've outlived most of my enemies. <laughs> I never had an enemy, but people choose to be your enemy. Even Howard Stern loves me now. And that's a miracle. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. You guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. 
Well, it's spring and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music. Just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. Well, I want to ask you a question because I know that I mentioned to you earlier how you're, you're just this really great kind of woman for us, younger women to look at. You've been a working mom your whole life. Am I right about that? Yes. So yes. people that are every, listening. Every mom's a working mom. Exactly. You've worked outside the home. Let me rephrase that. Inside, outside. I'm, yep, yep, yep. yep. I, write, I do most of my writing in my homes. Um, it doesn't matter. And I raised my children. I took them to the studio with me every single day. So yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. I work. I have a career outside of our home. Yes. yes. And let me, can I just get a little bit of encouragement from you to the mamas that are listening to this about chasing dreams and following those big dreams that they have in their careers um, and just making their mark um, on their children and on their community. What's your encouragement to us? Well, look back on the, on the, the, uh, the Bible. It's our source. It's our roadmap. It's our treasure map. Look at all the stories about dreams in the Bible. Mm. Pay attention to your dreams. They're important. Look at them with Joseph. Look at them with Jacob. Look at the, I mean, dreams are a huge part of the way God's Holy Spirit reveals God's will for our lives. And when David talked about in the Psalms, I am wonderfully and fearfully made in my mother's womb. Just like my daughter Cassidy has every egg she's going to ever drop in life while she's being formed in my womb, we have every dream, too, that God has placed in us for a purpose. They are not flighty. They are not insignificant. They are huge. And the very thing you love doing the most as a child, the thing you can't stop doing, the thing you don't even want to eat, you, can, you don't want to come in for dinner, you don't want to do your homework, because it, that's what we're supposed to do with our lives. Mm. Mm. it's important pay attention to them my daddy used to tell me that and he said Kathy you, you find something you love to do and then figure out a way to get paid for it uh, when did you find out what you love to do I knew it I came out of the womb with a crap ball <laughs> I did telling a joke yeah and uh, singing a song yep yep I did 
And that's all I wanted to do as a child is put on shows. Mm. And I actually came to faith at a movie theater when I was 12 years old. The Billy Graham organization um, put out their first movie and they got enormous, enormous pushback for that because Christians don't go to movies. Who'd you go with? I went with my brother, my Uh older brother, who was not a, a Christian either. And, but my sister and my mother had recently come to faith watching television one night during one of Billy's crusades. So I went to this movie and it transformed my life. I felt like I heard in my, in my inner core, Jesus saying, Kathy, I love you. And I want to make something beautiful out of your life. If you'll let me. And the movie was about a young girl at the crossroads of going the world's way or God's way. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to try it Jesus's way. And I got up at the end of the movie to go down to the front and ask Jesus into my heart. My brother, I was very protective. He says, where are you going? Because there's a bad <laughs> section of town. I said, I am going down to the front. I want I, to ask Jesus into my heart. And he goes, no, you're not. And I said, oh, yes, I am. You're coming with me. So he had to walk me down. It was years later till my brother came to faith, but he also did. My whole wow. family did. Wow, what a beautiful story. But But here's the beauty of it. Look at this. All I wanted to ever be my entire life was a, was a, an actress. Mm-hmm. Where does Jesus meet me? In, in a the movie. movie theater. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. We got to get, you know, we got to do, Jamie, we got to get out of our pews. Mm. And I mean that. I've written this new book called The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi that's coming out in March. And it's all about that. We are, are missing out on so much of the Christian faith because we never get we never go into the world like Jesus did. Jesus went to the other side, got mm-hmm. out of the boat and healed a man naked, cutting himself, filled with demons. Why? Because he because he was worthy of being saved. Mm. And we don't want to get dirty. We don't want to be have our, our, our reputation tainted. We don't want no. Jesus is asking for dirty Christians down in the dirt, dirty, Mm. healing in his name, washing AIDS patients' feet, adopting little children so they can have a home, you know, feeding the hungry. You know, I mean, that's the the adventure of the Christian faith. And um, this little musical that I've just written um, is called... um, the little giant is a, is it all came about on one of my first rabbinical trip to the Holy Land, studying with a man who is a brilliant Bible teacher. But he he's the one that taught me how to stu- how to study. I mean, the, the, there are so many horrendous translations of the Bible, horrendous, mm-hmm. and we all think it's a divine inspired word of God. Well, it isn't unless it's true to the original Greek and the original Hebrew. There are only two languages in the entire world that have never changed in all of millennia. And that's the um, Hebrew and Greek. Interesting that the Bible would be written in those. Right. But bad translations, such as in the New Testament, people say, you know, Jesus was a carpenter. That is a bad translation in the in the King James Version. Now, as of the of the Greek word tekton, T-E-K-T-O-M, it means builder or architect has a couple of different meetings, but there was no buildable wood in Israel during the first century. None. There was balsam trees and orange, um, um, olive trees mm-hmm. and, and fig sycamores, you know, those kind. But you didn't do, the major building was done. You've read it in scripture forever. The cedars of Lebanon, they were cut down in Lebanon. They were floated along the Via Maris, along the Mediterranean Sea in rafts. To, to Joppa, which is now Tel Aviv, 
they were taken apart and then transferred overland to wherever Herod was building mm-hmm. or, you know. So Jesus probably worked with, with a little bit with wood. But for the most part, you know what Jesus was? He was a, he was a stonemason. Hmm. There's no only rocks in his room. Now the scriptures come alive upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You who are without sin, cast the first stone. Mm -hmm. And the Psalms, it's all about my rock, my refuge, my, in my, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden the Bible starts to come to life because you understand what it really says. Mm. Did all this come to kind of fruition in life for you on that trip uh, to Israel that you talk about with your husband? Yes, and I've been four times since then. You have? Okay, so on the first... January. The first time, I mean, the trip that you talk about that this musical came out of, um, I loved hearing you talk about, and you talked about that when you talked um, on the Today Show after your husband passed away, about the rocks that you guys came back with. And it has inspired this whole musical for children. Yes, because my friend David Pomerantz and I wrote up, and he's Scientologist, and I took him to Israel on one of our trips with his wife and his child, who was 14 at the time. They were raised in Scientology. 45, 40, 35 years, I think, the parents have been in it, and the son was raised in it, and they were among the best students. I took Hindus, Hindu friends. I took um, um, Sikh friends. I took atheist friends. I took agnostic friends. That's what our world should look like. Every single person listening to you, us today, Jamie, I want them to ask themselves, am I involved in any of these people's lives? Do I share life with them in any way? Do they come to my home? Do I give them a meal? Do I listen to them? That's what we should be doing in the most unself-righteous, non-judgmental way because the world is starving for love, mm. starving for it. And that's what this song yesterday proved. I am not the world's greatest singer. I am one of the worst now. I'm terrible. I don't sing anywhere near like I used to sing. I have 16 CDs I've done over the years. I've never had a hit. Never. I, um, you know, I've I've done good work, work I'm proud of. I've sung the national anthem at the Super Bowl. (laughs) That's a big deal. I have had a 40-year career as a singer. Yes. But not till yesterday with a little song inspired by finding my husband on the, my children's father on the floor in the very room I'm speaking to you right Mm. now uh, with a brand new friend named Brett James who looked at me and just tenderly said, well, then let's just write that song. That's the way the Holy Spirit works. And and no one else could have written that song. I mean, that's what's so beautiful about it because it was, it was so gut-wrenching from you. Well, I had never written with him before. The man has got 500 hits to my zero uh-huh. at the time. I got one now. I'm, now I'm, you're I'm, one, 501. I'm on him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I didn't want to presume to write every lyric. Usually I do. That's what I do. I write the whole song lyrics uh-huh. first, and then we I work on the music with somebody. But I didn't this time because I just really wanted to be respectful of him. And I, he said, well, what do you, you got something? I Did you bring an idea? And I said, yeah. I, I had the idea of a little kiss, a little coffee, a little moment to pray. Our Sunday mornings always started that way. 
And he looked at me and he goes, well, there's, there's, that's the beginning mm-hmm. of our song. And it mm-hmm. took off from there. Mm-hmm. And it just, we, it was effortless. It was Holy Spirit inspired. And it was, we were done in an hour. Well, I just, congratulations to you because I know it's beautiful and it was great to watch you do that. Um, okay. okay. Real quick. Tell us, cause I know you got to go tell us your musical. What is your biggest hope for this? The little giant, The little giant. The song that inspired is a song called what is your stone? Because our teacher taught us at the Valley of Allah where David fought Goliath, and it has not changed in 3,000 years. He taught us that the miracle of David and Goliath was not that a young shepherd boy could kill a, a giant. Every shepherd, whether it was a girl or a boy there, got 12 to 14 years old, that's what the kids do in Israel back then. They, The Bible tells us David had already killed lions and bears. So the difference between that cowering Israelite army 40 days and 40 nights cowering under King Saul, scared to death of the giant. They had religion. What did David have? Relationship with the living God. He stepped out and said, well, I'll fight him. Who is this man who defies the God of the, the living God of Israel? He says, you come to me with a sword and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the God of Israel, Jehovah God, whom you have defied. He says, that's the miracle, is the personal relationship we have with the living God. We're, we can all slay giants. Mm. Every one of us can. So I, I wanted to write a song to inspire people to say, you know, not, don't let, let's stop asking our children, what do you want to be when you grow up? When it's already in them what they're supposed to be when they grow up. I want to start asking our children, what is your stone? What is already inside you? What has God already prepared you to do to bring his shalom to the chaos of the world? And and that's a much worthier question of our children. And so uh, we wrote the song and it was a fun song and it asked a very good question. But then uh, a friend of mine named Mark Cavanis asked me, he said, Kevin, I think there's a little children's musical here. And, 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 you know, I said, okay, I like that because I'm a theater woman. I've written mm-hmm. for Broadway, for Off-Broadway, and I, I just love writing for theater. I said, let's see what we got. So I sat down and wrote it in a couple of weeks and, and gave it to David Pomerantz. And when he wrote the music with me and we just, it just, it just works. We have, I realized that, that until Bathsheba came into David's life, <laughs> it's pretty much a, uh, a, a male dominated story. Until she showed up in that bathtub. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. so but Bathsheba, Bathsheba is not in this kid's musical, is she? No, no, no. <laughs> it, ends, it ends with the slaying of Goliath. It's just the story of David and Goliath up till that point. But um, I wanted young girls to be a part of this as well. So I thought, all right, I'll make them a Greek chorus. Well, then I realized, you know, theatrically that that, that would work, except for that the Greeks didn't actually sh- show up for hundreds of years <laughs> uh, in Israel under uh, Alexander the Great. So um, I thought, well, then what can I, what, how can I, and I would realize, my gosh, Kathy, it's right under your nose. David was a shepherd. And so make the girls sheep. Aww. And then I wrote uh, 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 Sheba is the uh, main, she's the narrator. And I played her and she's very, she's very impatient because her sheep are always late. And uh, she, and so I just sort of made myself the narrator character. Regis plays Jesse, the father uh-huh. of David. Um, so some of my Broadway friends, I mean, brilliant uh, Greg Edelman and a darling little boy, young man named Aiden Gem. He's from Finding Netherland. Uh, Greg Edelman is four-time Tony nominee. I mean, I just I just called my friends and yeah. we came and did it. And it is, and and the sheep that the girls play, they are they are. Pardon me, but they have a 
problem and they, their problem is flatulence. <laughs> and, and there's a song called We're Just Sheep. And it's, we're just sheep. We follow a leader and we don't have any. They just farting all over the Hilarious. place. Hilarious. <laughs> kids are going to love it. Potty humor. Kids, I was going to say, my kids, like half their conversations about farting. So yes. I love potty humor. <laughs> I live for it. I live for it. So anyway, it's that. But it's got a very, very deep message about Who are we? Why are we here? What's our purpose in God? And how can we slay our giants? Well, I am excited for it. And I just am excited for everything that you are continuing to put out there. And thank you for being a voice uh, for the truth about Jesus. And just thanks for what you're doing. Thank you, Jamie. My pleasure. And Lord bless you and your family, sweetheart. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kathy Lee. Bye, doll. friends. It was so fun for me to have Kathy Lee Gifford on the show. I cannot believe it. I couldn't believe it was happening. I didn't even tell you guys it was going to happen because I was so nervous that it would fall through, but it was a joy to have her. I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. And that is the Texture app. You know what guys, winter is coming and Texture app is here to help. Let's say you're hosting friends and want to impress. Texture delivers Bon Appetit and Real Simple to inspire your event. Anticipating dinner table debates, arm yourself with the finest reporting from the Atlantic and time. And when that cold winter air hits, let Afar and Airbnb Mag take you away and inspire your next vacation. No matter what mood you're in, let texture and unlimited access to over 200 premier magazines help inform, entertain, and inspire you this winter. And right now, you guys, you can try texture for free. To start your texture free trial, go to texture.com slash Jamie. If you choose to continue, podcast listeners will get texture for just $9.99 a month. You guys, that's over 30% off their listed price. There are also great gift options available for the holiday season. Go to texture.com slash Jamie to start your free trial today. That's texture.com slash Jamie. Texture.com slash Jamie. All right, guys, I want to thank another one of our sponsors for today's show, and that is Lola Tampons. Guys, did you know that the FDA does not require brands to disclose a comprehensive list of ingredients in their tampons? So most of them don't. Of course they don't. Major brands use a mix of synthetic ingredients in their tampons, including rayon and polyester. Their tampons may also be treated with harsh chemical agents, fragrance, and dyes. Here's the difference with Lola. Lola tampons are 100% cotton with BPA-free plastic applicators. Not only are they better for you, but they make your month a little easier. Their subscription is fully customizable so that you can choose your mix of light, regular, and supers, your number of boxes, and your frequency of delivery. Because actually, ladies, guess what? You know your body best. Lola subscription is super flexible. You can change, skip, or cancel at any time. They'll email you two days before your box or boxes ship. No surprises or gimmicks. This is the best. It was founded by women for women. And now they're offering pads and liners as well as non-applicator tampons for those looking for a more environmentally friendly option. Now, I love this because I love everything that can be delivered to my door. Not only am I looking at what goes everywhere on my body, in my body to be the best thing for me, but if you can deliver it to me, I am in. I love it because it's 100% cotton, BPA-free, which leaves me worry-free about what I'm putting in my body. Guys, listen to this. This is a great offer for 60% off your first order. Visit mylola.com and enter happy hour. That is mylola, L-O-L-A.com promo code happy hour. All right, guys, here is the second half of my show. And as much as I was so excited to have Kathy Lee Gifford, it's always my favorite person to have my husband join me. Yay. Aaron, welcome to the happy hour. Thanks for having me on. I love being on your show. 
You do? Is it your favorite podcast you've ever been on? It is my, by, yes, by far my favorite podcast that I've ever been on. And your second favorite would be? Uh, that I've ever been on? Uh-huh. Um, the other episode of the happy hour with jamieiv.com <laughs> that I was on. Uh, you listen to a lot of podcasts these days. What are you loving? Um, I'm listening to How I Built This. Of course, yes. I love still it. love How I Built This. That is a great podcast. I seem um, to reference an episode from that show almost every single week to somebody. It's so good. The Revisionist History. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell, good. But I honestly have gotten out of the habit of listening to podcasts when I drive because my cable broke. I don't have Bluetooth in my car and my cable broke. So I usually am driving with total silence. Wow. <laughs> even that, that amount even of total like? silence made you nervous, didn't I it? I know. Total silence. Because I have like a 35-minute drive every single morning. No music, no podcast, nothing. Do you like that? I love it. Let's so try it. Hold on. Let's try it. Ready? What do you think? It's weird. I will admit that I don't have enough silence in my life. And I think that is something that I'm missing because I'm always listening to a podcast. I mean, if I'm in the shower, I've said this before. I usually have a You're podcast going. Yeah. Yes. I love silence. I feel like it I'm putting too think. much input. In, yeah. It helps you have time to think and breathe and, mm. and imagine stuff. And hey, we're sitting in your new office too. I know. We are sitting in my new office and it's just... A dream come true, and it's so fun. And well, thank yeah, thanks for letting me in. <laughs> glad you came. I don't in have a the- key yet to this building <laughs> on our property. I'm glad you came in. And last time I came in here, I was like, "Can I get some drinks out of the fridge?" And you're like, "Oh, those are for the guests." <laughs> um, okay, so I've been wanting to have you back on the show for a long time uh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, people really do love it when you come on. Do they really? I think they do. It's a lot of fun. I'm not a girl though. Usually, it's just girls you have on. Well, I always have girls on, except for you and George W. Bush, right? So Still whatever. Happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. I think I, I have. I feel like any day he's going to call. I, I do too. Well, I, I know that in your office, in the prized spot on the shelf, you have a picture of you photoshopped your face on Laura Bush's body hugging George W. Bush. That's true. There's not even <laughs> one picture of my husband in this no, office. No, there's not one picture of your family. Just you. <laughs> just me and George. On Laura Bush's body hugging on George Dub. I know. I know. But I'm glad you're here. But I've been wanting you to have you for a while because we were supposed to have a book club this summer with you. And then uh, hurricanes came and all kinds of things happened. And so uh, you had a book that came out August 1st. Yes. Steal Away Home. Yep. You and our friend Matt Carter wrote this book together. Right. uh, It took you a long time to write it. It took us almost three years. Dear gracious, do I know. You know. I know. And we were writing books at the same time, too, which was the dumbest thing we've ever done. If if anyone's listening and you and your husband are both creatives, do not do projects at the same time. Not separate projects. Not separate projects. That's right. My gosh. Uh, Okay, so Steal Away Home. Uh, This is the first book you've ever written. Um, It's not the first book for your co-author, Matt, but it's the first book you've ever written. And I'm telling you, you came out with a bang. I mean, historical fiction. It's not easy. Well, I've never written historical fiction before, but I love reading historical fiction. So it's actually Matt's idea. He's We both are fans of Charles Spurgeon, who was a preacher back in the mid-1800s in England. And it was his idea because we both love historical fiction. He's like, man, nobody's really ever written a book about this guy that's interesting to read, like a story, you know, it's like a novel. more like a biography and it's sermons. All, yep. Autobiographies, biographies, sermons, even his wife, Susanna, um, her book is like, you know, it's an autobiography from the 1800s. So there yeah. hasn't been anything written about these guys that have been fresh. And I love historical fiction. So it took us three years. Yeah. And it's an incredible story, a real story, true story about Charles and Susanna Spurgeon, 
And let's call her Susie. Susie. That's what I imagine. What did what did he call her? He in the called book? her wifey. Wifey. Right. That's yeah, historically true. And what people don't know about Charles Spurgeon is that his wife was a rock star. I mean, she was awesome. And that was I loved that in the book about how you brought that out a yeah. lot. Well, I mean, that it was brought out like when she was alive, you know, but then history for some reason only kind of elevated Charles. And Let's then talk you about start that for a minute. Huh? You, you start digging <laughs> into it and you're like, wait a second. Susanna was the, she was the rock, you know, um, I mean, they were both solid, but Susanna and all the kind of hidden moments when it wasn't like in public, you know, uh, in London, she was the person that was really kind of pushing Charles and cheering him on and all this. What I think is cool about that. And we can get back to your book in just a second. But what I think is cool about that is when was this 18? It was the mid 1800s. Mid 1800s. Susanna is a rock for her husband and like, just like, Amazing wife, amazing even like leader to her kids, loved Jesus, helped Charles in ministry tremendously. Uh, but there was no like social media or anything. So she just did what she did. Yeah. And the I newspapers feel, didn't write about her. Yeah. Nobody like, nobody kind of talked about her in the day, except for the people whose lives she like impacted. Yeah. They always talked about her. Yeah. You know. So uh, I'll back up. I'll give you the big picture. But that's of the what book. I, I want to be like Susanna. I want to be like Susanna. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. Like I want to have that kind of heart, you know? Mm -hmm. So high level for the book. Okay. Real simple. This is what the story is about. It's a story about Charles and Susanna Spurgeon and Thomas and Henrietta Johnson. Thomas Johnson was a freed slave in Virginia at the same exact time, two different continents, two different types of lives growing up. This dude was a slave for 28 years. Uh, He gets freed and he wants to learn. He wants to learn how to uh, read. He wants to learn how to write. He meets and he Jesus. Became a believer. Yeah, he meets yes. Jesus and he wants to become a preacher. And so somebody says, well, the best place to do that is at this this school in London uh, called the Pastors College. And so he applied and, and long story short, he got in. And usually you would think a guy like Charles Spurgeon, who's like, you know, kind of deified, almost like everybody's like, just thinks he's perfect. You would think in a story like this, that Charles is the hero. But really you see Thomas, who's speaking life into Charles and explaining what it's like to be freed up from physical slavery and physical bondage. And you find out that Charles, his whole life, he didn't have physical, you know, slavery in the same way, but he was enslaved to depression and to physical sickness in his entire life. Most of his life, he was in bondage in a bed, strapped to a bed, not strapped literally, but but held in a bed because of depression. Um, And this is before depression was a diagnosed sort of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's a story of these two families really helping each other on the journey of getting through suffering, getting through um, any kind of oppression and darkness and and pointing them to Jesus. I just got tears in my eyes because some, uh, when you were telling that story from reading and remembering some of the interactions between Thomas and Charles. Yeah. And not to give any of the story away, but some of the last moments of them together. I mean, it's just, it's moving. I told you when I read the book and you were out of town and I remember, I was actually, I remember I was sitting at a coffee shop with the kids because I had a flat tire, blah, 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 who cares? But I'm reading this book and I am like weeping. I am weeping uh, because of just the story of these men and their wives and the love and the way that they like leaned on Jesus in the most gruesome, hard trials of their life. Yeah. Um, it was, it's a really, it's, I, I always want people to know this is not a book for men and it's not a book for women. It's just, it is a book that everybody can enjoy. Even our uh, uh, 13 year old son read it. Yeah. He read, the whole read thing. it. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's two themes really that the book um, elevates, right? Um, 
actually three. One is everybody's going to suffer. And so you can either choose to embrace it and find how good God is in the middle of it or choose to run from it and not experience what God intends in it. You know, suffering is a huge theme of the book. Uh, second theme in the book is racial reconciliation. So this is, this is in the mid 1800s. This is in the middle of the civil war in America. And you've got Charles in London, who was one of the first abolitionists, uh, speaking out against slavery in America and from England, from England, right. yeah, from London. And so all these people love Charles Spurgeon in America until he started talking out against slavery. He said, it's the foulest blot that's ever stained the soil of a country. And people started burning his sermons and burning his books That's here in true. America. Yeah, on on plantations in the South and in city squares in the South, families would gather together on the weekends and bring their Charles Spurgeon sermons and books, and they'd throw them into the fire. And uh, they, there's a ton of newspaper articles that we dug up when we were doing research about this, about how they kind of put this decree out in uh, the Southern states of America that if Charles Spurgeon ever came that he was to be hung immediately because he was speaking out against slavery. And so one major theme in the book is reconciliation, what the, what that looked like then and how that's a model for us now. And then the third theme is really um, both of those families elevated the role of the woman in the house and in the, in the ministry um, to a, to a degree that like wasn't normal in the mid 1800s. And it's incredible. It's beautiful to see how many things, both of those women accomplished. And Susanna, just as an example, most people don't know, uh, but you know, she started a book fund that paid for books for students to get free education. Um, she helped serve at uh, one of the orphanages that they started. And that was like the thing that she owned. Like every day of her life, she was doing something really powerful and really significant in the city of London, which was totally counterculture. And same thing for Henrietta doing a amazing things as a missionary in Africa. And so the story is really about those three things, you know, um, and all those, each one of those three things is something for us to learn from now, especially in our culture right now, where we're all trying to figure out how to really kind of sift through all those things through suffering, through reconciliation, through making sure that every single person in, in the family, every spouse fills the role of ministry and fills the role of like doing something, doing something with their life and really making a difference. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so good. And, you know, next week is our gift guide, which we're going to give you some amazing gifts. Melanie Schenkel is going to be my guest. And we're going to give you some amazing gifts that you could buy for your people. And I just will say, this would be an amazing gift to give anybody. It doesn't matter, man, woman. I mean, our 13-year-old read it. And so yeah. I think it's just a really, really great gift. And I think it's even a great, it's not, it's not like Christianese. Totally. Like we, uh, I love giving this to friends of mine that, um, that aren't believers or aren't really connected to church because it's not a churchy book. It's yeah. a story. I mean, mm -hmm. it's a, basically it's a love story. A about love story pastors. about, I mean, yep. With, um, with their spouses and a love story of like, of true friendship and what's that, what that looks like, you know? Yeah. So it's easy just to like, say, here's a, here's a really, you know, compelling story. Um, and not feel like you're handing them a, a really like churchy kind of book, right, you know? Right. Okay. So you can get it at Amazon, obviously, cause you can get everything at Amazon. I mean, we get our cat food at Amazon. Our toilet paper. We get our toilet paper. I mean, we get everything at Amazon. <laughs> you can also get it at my webpage, uh, my store. It's jamieivy.com slash store. And I'm going to give you a coupon code too. I'm going to give you... Come on. I'm going to give you $5 off the book. So just go, use the code Aaron. All right? Use the code Aaron. Did you just make that up on the fly right now? I and just then made somebody it up on makes the fly. it happen? Yeah, somebody makes it happen. <laughs> uh, okay, so get this book for people. Um, Aaron, I'm super proud of you. I'm Thanks. super proud of you for writing this book. I saw the work that went into it. 
the diligence, um, everything that you put forward. I mean, just, it was a lot of work. Well, thanks for letting me write it because, you know, <laughs> You're I, welcome. for about two years, I woke up thinking about these characters. Remember I had that little leather journal on oh, the side of my bed. And the first thing I would think about when my eyes popped open were them. No, I remember. Yes. And I then the last thing I thought about before I went to bed wasn't you. No, Jesus. No, it wasn't Jesus. No, Charles it was and Susie. Charles and Susie, Thomas, Thomas and, and Henrietta. Henrietta. Yeah. So I really, I really do agree with that. But when you finished the book, you turned it in last, uh, like January 1st of this year, actually, uh, 2017, uh, people were like, oh my gosh, are you so happy? Are you so proud of Aaron? And at the, at the point I was like, you know, I'm just really glad that I get my husband back because I'm really tired of sharing him with these other people. Yep. I know. So congrats. I know. Thanks. Uh, okay. So every time I have you on the show, people send in questions. Are you ready? I always get nervous about questions. All right. Well, here we go. Okay, ready? Uh, Jamie Nato. How do you guys manage two very busy careers without killing each other and the ch children? Helpful tips? Hypothetically asking for a friend. I see <laughs> I see you, Jamie. Uh -huh, we know. So we do get this question a lot. Yeah, we do. And we were actually talking about this, well, yesterday on the way to an event. We're like, oh my gosh, are we doing too much? Mm -hmm. You know? And I think people, the question people usually ask is, how do you guys do everything? You know? Because you mm -hmm. look and it might seem like we're doing everything. You know, how, how do you do all of it? And the answer is really, you, you, you can't do everything. You know, you can do some things sometimes and you can do other things other times. And it's really just a, a balance of, okay, for this season, what are the things we need to focus on? What are the things we need to not focus on or for this week even, you know? So for us, we're always trying to kind of balance, like, you know, we're looking forward, looking ahead to the spring right now, spring of 2018. And we're like, okay, what things do we need to say no to? so that we can prioritize other things. It's not we're going to say no to them forever, but how do we do some things right now, other things at other times, I think is a real helpful thing because you cannot do everything all the time. It is. And it's kind of like an ebb and flow. Like speaking of the spring, we're looking forward to the spring and I have a book coming out in January. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> but I have a book coming out, which means extra stuff on your plate that you wouldn't normally have on your plate when you're releasing a book. Yeah, so... So we look at the calendar and we're like, okay, well, that means we can't do some of these things, even yeah. though they're good things too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we brace for it. Like I know you being out on a book tour is really important and I want to support it and not, um, you know, hold that over your head or be bitter silently. You know, it's like we, we both kind of cheer each other on knowing that it's seasonal. So if you did a book tour every week of the entire year. No, we can't do that. You can't do you can't do it all, all the yeah. time, but yeah. you can do something sometimes, yep. you know? I love that. Okay. RB Fountain wants to know this. How do you incorporate your kids into helping with dinner? Is this something that you have always done or does it naturally happen as they got older? Uh, I feel like it's something we've always done. Uh, even when kids were sitting in high chairs, we would pull them up to the counter and let them just be present. Let them mm -hmm. be there. You know, we really value family night and cooking together because it's kind of like the one time in a day um, well now for us, it's like one time in a week that we're all together because of sports. And, you know, now we find ourselves not all together at the same time for it's dinner, so which sad. sucks. It's terrible. It's so sad. But when, when it does happen, we do still try to make it happen once a week. Um, we try to make it count and it's hard because, you know, kids have phones in their hands or tablets in their hands. So we try to make a rule like, Hey, I'm going to, if I, as a grown man can put my phone up in my pocket, then you as a eighth grader can do the same thing, um, you know, to try to like keep, keep family focused on family time and then give them stuff to do. You know, yeah. anybody can 
peel a potato. Not anybody. I don't think a two-year-old can peel a potato. But no, they could, a, peel, a two-year-old could wash a potato. A two-year-old potato. could totally wash a potato. Yeah. We just really love, it just comes down to we love family nights and our family nights involve cooking and eating. And so that's how it kind of evolved for us. Now, I will say this. When Aaron's out of town and I'm in charge of feeding these children and they're like, mom, can I help? No, you may not help. Get out of you here. You don't let them. No, I can't. I, I don't it like cooking. You it out. stresses me out. It, it literally, it stresses me Even out. Even with like HelloFresh? Because we do HelloFresh. I, I, I think I'm kind of a control freak too. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't notice until now. <laughs> and so when they're in there, I'm already stressed about cooking because I don't enjoy it. Now, I will say <laughs> HelloFresh, when, when we do have HelloFresh, it is a lot it easier, easier for me yeah. because I'm not having to measure and count and all that kind of things. I just, it's stressful for me. It's not a, it's not a release. If you had a full-time cook a chef living in your house you you'd be okay with that wait a wait, second I do. you do <laughs> i was like i was like i actually do I'm thank not you getting paid for this you get paid oh goodness okay here we go next thing <laughs> someone said i think this is john 15 5 maybe they love the verse wow. john 15 5 okay. how do you stay so positive all the time was it always this way or have you learned this attitude in life I don't know who they're asking me or you, but I'd like to answer first. This is a great question. You answer first, but yeah. I do have an answer. You'd have an answer too. Okay. Um, I say for me, I do really try to be like happy and positive because I've been, I've had people in my life. But here it is. Who are like negative Nancy. Yes. And I don't. For enjoy- clarification, their name's not Nancy. No, their name is not Nancy. So if, you're named, be- if you're one of our friends named Nancy and you're listening, we're not talking about you. No, it'd be like if I said, um, happy Harriet. Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer, you know. <laughs> happy Harriet. So I've had friends in my life, negative Nancy, and I just, I can't handle it. It's not fun for me. Like. It's draining. It's draining. It's not like life-giving if I, have, at if all. I say to you, Hey, Aaron, guess what? Like I, I got a book deal and I'm going to go and on then vacation. The goes, well, must be nice. Yeah. I'm like, nope, I don't need you. Mm-mm. Bye. Well, that must be nice. Good for you. Oh. Wish we could go on vacation. Uh-uh. No, I'm done I got with that. that. I would say the same thing. Uh, and um, I love, I mean, like, I think being positive is a conscious choice because there, there's lots of junk in our lives that is painful and hard and we have friends that are suffering right now today. A lot of suffering um, is happening in our So being lives. positive isn't something where like our life is just bliss and we're, you know, oblivious to everything. It's a conscious choice. And, and it talks about it in the Bible, about having joy, um, about joy being found in, in Jesus. Like, I think you can go through anything and still be positive yeah. because, because you have Jesus, you yeah. know? And so for us, it's like, I like being around positive people, but I also want to be positive for other people. You yeah. know, I want people to be like, it's so life-giving being around mm-hmm. the Ivies last yeah. night, you know, yeah. even though they're, I know what they're going through. Uh, it's life-giving yeah. being around them because they're, they're full of joy and, and life. You know what being positive keeps you from doing? Like if you struggle with gossip, I actually don't struggle with that. And so I'm not saying I'll I'm, tell you who does. I'll t- <laughs> I'm going I'm to tell you right now who struggles with gossip. I mean, I struggle with a lot of things, you guys, but that I actually, that's not like a struggle for me. But I, I think maybe when you're positive, you're not so tended to be like, oh my gosh. You know what she did? Yeah. Uh-huh. Now I can be really real with Aaron. I can be really real with my friend, Amy and my friend, Amanda, yeah. but I still think that, I think that you would say I'm positive. I think they would Very, say I'm positive. I mean, yeah. you know, so there is a realness that comes. It's not a fakeness. No, it's not fake at all. Cause I can be like, I can call my close friends and just kind of vent, but I'm not like, but then you pull, you pull up out of it. You're like, okay, but here's the truth. Yep. I'm loved. Yeah. And God actually says, it actually says in the Bible, rejoice in all things. Yep. 
Uh, Jody Ingram Barnett wants to know, I want to hear him talk about music and worship. Is he teaching the kids various instruments? Does he turn your living room into a band practice room? <laughs> we, <laughs> we get, do get this question uh-huh. a lot. Uh-huh. And it's funny because I have a friend who is a chef, right? And a really, the best chef in Austin, Texas, for real. We always send y'all to his restaurants when he asks, second bar and kitchen. Second bar and kitchen. Um, and I have in my mind that in his house at night when he gets home, he cooks this just freaking amazing meal with his family, right. gourmet, <laughs> yeah. with garnishes. And uh-huh. that's the way I imagine it happening. And he's like, no, dude, the last thing I want to do when I get home is cook. So it's usually craft macaroni and cheese. You know, it's boxed spaghetti. It's like what Which normal people cook. Which blows our mind. What? Right? We're like, what? You're David Bull. Yeah. What are you talking about? But it's so true. It, like for me, we know ideally that's what would be awesome, right? Family jam band in the living room. But no, it's like music kind of has a, a it has to have a time when it stops for me because it's it's such a part of the job that I want to get home and not really think about music and songs. Yeah. Um, but and I do it, want my kids to be musical. But I learned from my mom that parents should never be the primary music teacher in a kid's life. Was your mom your music teacher? My mom was my piano teacher and she and I both hated it. Hated it. Because you can't really take it seriously when your mom is telling you to learn scales and learn how to play piano. You <laughs> barely take the trash out or change your underwear as a right, kid when you your mom tells like you to. C, D, F, G. Right. So we have a rule. Dad is not the primary music teacher. Okay, I Won't love be. it. I love it. Okay, a few more. This is really good. Okay, Jess Engel, The Village Roastery said, being in the church and having kids of his own in the preteen, teen years, how does he keep them engaged and excited? When the world is distracting them, how does he and you keep them focused on the most important things in the way that doesn't sound preachy or turn them away? Great question. Mm -hmm. We uh, just talk a lot. We talk about things. So anytime me and a teenager, which we only have one right now, but we're about to have three, um, Anytime we're in the car, it's just conversation. It's not preachy conversation. It's not even always like, oh, well, what does the Bible say about that? It's not even always that direct, but it's always in there somewhere. You know, just normal talk um, that involves like what Jesus thinks about things and how our life is Ivy's because we're Christians. It's just going to look different. It's going to look different than other people. You know, we're going to make different choices. We're going to have different things that are important to us. The conversation's huge. I think another thing that's really big that we're learning is that we cannot um, we cannot parent uh, and really disciple our kids on our own, but we need more people help. You know, um, like the the old adage, it takes a village. Like it really does take many people in a teenager's life saying the same thing and affirming the same kind of values, you know? So we've found a few uh, older dudes that are like in their mid-20s, you know, uh, that love Jesus and are solids. A couple of those guys, like I've discipled. And so it's really cool to say, hey man, uh, you owe me now. Um, so I need you to help disciple my kid. And so at any time, there's always four or five guys that are in Caden's life and Deacon's life and Amos's life that are speaking the same kind of truths and values into their life. And they're seeing it modeled in them and not just me. So I think that's really helpful too. I love it so much. And that is, we do a lot of talking and the boys are telling you more than they're telling me, which they is good. They are telling me more. Which is good. Yep. Okay. Two more questions. Um, and then we'll be done. Okay, here we go. Uh, Sally Tackett said, I love that you both have vibrant careers and interests. Could you talk together about how you help the other run in their lane while still keeping a sane baseline family connection for your kids and each other? We know regular date nights and so on, but are there ways you communicate at checkpoints you have for crazy seasons? 
Yes. Okay. Uh, I think foundational, both of us from the very beginning of marriage have said, we don't have two different callings in life, two different pathways in life. We have one as a family. And that is that we want to give our lives to Jesus and we want to use whatever's in front of us to let people know about how awesome he is. Right. That's been the primary like calling, calling of our life. That's like a calling on believers. Totally. You know? So if you have that foundational calling, yeah, that's not like a calling that we discovered. That's no. the calling of a believer. So if you're a believer and you have a spouse that's a believer, that should be your primary calling. We want to follow Jesus. We want to use whatever's right in front of us to let people know how awesome Jesus is, period. You know, And then you probably have two different kinds of jobs or careers or ways of expressing that. You know, So I think where people fall apart is you focus on the career and the job, the pathway, right? Instead of focusing on the primary calling as a follower of Jesus, right? Yeah. To love him and to tell other people about him. So what helps us is uh, we don't feel like we're in two different lanes. We're in the same lane. You're using what's right in front of you to tell people how awesome Jesus is. And that's a microphone and a podcast and a book and a, a blog and an influence and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, for me, um, it's the same exact lane, but it happens to be music and songwriting and mentoring and developing worship leaders and artists, same lane, just different ways of expressing it. So I think what would be helpful for any um, married couple would be just to maybe have a reset, like, hey, your job is as important as mine. We are in the same lane together. It's just being expressed in different ways. How can I encourage you in what you're doing? So now it's not like we're in competition, you know? It's right. easy to cheer you on because we're not competing. It's like, dude, yeah, go. Um, I think what's also helpful for spouses for for wives cheering on husbands and for husbands cheering on um wives is just to like make an an effort like a daily effort to say you are crushing it you're awesome how can i help like really kind of pour more fuel on the fire you know what do you need what do you need um to help kind of keep going i want to always do that i know you always do that too and i think anybody can do that and i know a lot of people are in like hard marriages where you might not have that kind of equal playing ground I think even the small things stacked up over time can help solidify and bring people closer together. Um, when you start not bickering and not pointing fingers, but start just encouraging and speaking life into people and doing the little small things that over time stack up. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think people would look at us and be like, oh, it's easy to encourage each other. You're both doing like, quote unquote, awesome, amazing things. Uh, but I haven't always had a podcast and you haven't always been the worship pastor of one of the greatest churches in America. No, I, I remember specifically when you were working in a job that you didn't like in Nashville, you know, it wasn't like you were like positive and thriving in that. Right. But I still cheered you on in it because it was what was right in front of you at the time. Yeah. You know, and the same thing for me when we had no money and I was painting baseboards in the symphony hall, downtown Nashville. Remember that you didn't like you didn't point fingers at me. You didn't bicker at me. You didn't say, once you get a real job or what the heck is our life going to look like if you're painting baseboards? You were like, no, this is a season for us. Yeah. Go freaking crush it. Yeah. And I love you and I'm proud of you. Yeah. So I think anybody can do that. It's a yeah. change of mindset. It's not about how big and glorious the job no. may be. It's no. loving Jesus and pointing others to him and whatever you're doing. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Uh, and it comes from, we are Bates. This is random, but what does Aaron get mad about? He seems pretty carefree all the time. <laughs> what did I get mad about? Yeah. Uh, I am pretty carefree. You are, I know. But I know, and you would, you would, you know, I think you probably agree with this. I'm a little quirky. A, a little. With like 
seemingly small things mm-hmm. like clutter drives me crazy. Mm. Things that aren't disorganized, things that aren't organized drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. Like when I actually put the wrong size pillowcase on your pillow. The one time, is that what you said? The one <laughs> time you accidentally, that drives me Well, actually, nuts. let's just be honest. Like we have someone that comes and cleans our house. See, that's how we don't do it all. <laughs> I mean, literally, you no, know, you like I'm all. not cleaning our house. But, but that, 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 that does, kind of that small thing of like the wrong size pillowcase that can just like not make you, you're not like throwing stuff. Right. No. Um, so, I mean, little things like that, but also, I mean, you know, if I'm honest, one of my tendencies is to be impatient with people, to expect too much from people. I think where there's any kind of conflict, like with even me and, and one of our teenagers, right, is it's easy for me to expect too much and then get frustrated because they're not living up to what I want. And I have to be like, oh my gosh, I need to show patience and kindness to this kid who's not a grown man yet. You know, I feel that on my own, like my team that I lead. Sometimes it's easy for me to like, just be impatient to want more and expect more from people instead of showing them grace. Yeah. Um, So come back around though. I'd always come back around. Yeah, you do. But (laughs) yeah, those are a couple of things. And I get mad at armadillos. We have Mm -hmm. armadillos in our yard yard. that are tearing it up. And I feel like the weird old man that cares about grass now. But I get, I get angry. I thought you were about to talk about our grass. I can't handle it. I do get mad. Aaron sent our soil off to be tested at Texas a <laughs> Because it's I, dying. I'm like, what are we doing the right now? The grass is dying. It didn't cost us anything, praise God. It or I would have been like... Uh, but, I, but sending a bag of dirt to Texas A&M felt such a really weirdo. weird. <laughs> uh, Aaron, thank you for joining me. It's Thanks so for fun. having me. Thanks it's for letting so me in your fun. office. Can I have a drink out of the fridge or not? Yeah, get a drink on your Thanks, way out. Thanks, babe. Um, okay. Okay, I want to thank our last sponsor, and I'm going to let Aaron Ivy do it. Okay. Are you ready to read our last sponsor? Uh, I'd love to read our last sponsor. Okay, here we go. This is my first time to ever do this. I know. Whether you are looking for flavor, adventure, or simply better tasting meals, fill your pantry with Spice Islands. And this is true. They sent us some spices, and they are the they are amazing. From Saigon cinnamon and dill weed to bay leaves, garlic powder, cumin, turmeric, Spice Islands maintain a strict standard for each item to ensure consistency, quality, and flavor. And we did a taste test. Do you remember that? I had Spice Islands next to No Name Brand, mm-hmm. and we tasted them totally different. And they use a craft approach to capture the volatile oil of each spice, which gives it its flavor. Visit SpiceIslands.com slash happy hour for more spice facts and delicious recipes and pick up Spice Island spices in the premium spice selection of your local retailer. Okay. Yay. Thank you, Spice Islands. And I'm, I'm so happy that you got to read that ad because you do actually love them. Uh, okay, guys, this was so much fun. You guys don't forget, steal away home. You can get it on Amazon or you can get jamieivy.com slash store. And I'm gonna give you $5 off with the coupon Aaron. Aaron, it's so fun to have you here. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank You're you, Kathy awesome. Lee Gifford, for yeah, coming Kathy. on the show. Guys, today's show was edited by Chris with Pod Shaper, and the music is from Jason Poe. Next week is my favorite show of the whole year, besides this one, obviously. Next week, my guest is Melanie Schenkel, and it's the gift guide. Yes. You're going to love, 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 love it. We're going to talk you through different companies that we think that you're going to love putting your money towards this Christmas season. Guys, enjoy your week. Share the show with a girlfriend and have a happy hour with a friend. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>